0: Start a 30 day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. The legends are true. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go!
1: And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Daisy Dead with the Dead Devs, and you're listening to The Hook Rock with Jason. Scott.
2: Good evening, everybody. What's going on? What's shaking? How you doing? It's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. I say the same thing at the beginning of every episode. Maybe one day I won't have to say that, and I'm looking forward to that day. And it's certainly not right now because we're knee-deep in snow, especially here in the Midwest, and we're knee-deep in COVID still. A year later, almost a year later, but hopefully we're working our way out of it and hopefully you enjoy listening to the show and all the stuff that we've been doing for you lately and the good content that we've been doing for you. And hopefully it's escape for you to kind of get out of reality and just zone out on some music talk. My next guest hails from New Jersey. And I'm excited, very excited about this band to... Um, to talk to today and the band is weapons of a new and the guest is ray west the lead singer what's going on
1: man all oh, this good man it's a pleasure to be here to talk to you and uh you know in these crazy times all of us to have something to talk about you know that's positive is an awesome thing so i'm, I'm grateful to be here and, you know you, you mentioned the band and uh and some people say new and but it's weapons of a new okay and uh you know, sometimes we just say whoa, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, man, it's just easy to do that. But uh, we've come a long way to just to get this conversation. So I'm really excited to talk to you.
2: Yeah, man, I am excited to talk to you. The song "Sick Boy" has just been been doing a lot for me. It's just got a great vibe. It's got a great hook. I love it.
1: Oh, I'm glad to hear that, man. You know, we we, we got lucky with that. You know, when that song came across the table, I was like immediately like, this is a very cool piece of music. I was like, so cool that I'm like, I wish I wrote this. i was like, this is really a great piece of music. But you know, the lyrics are just, they speak to you. It, it's really, it's easy. It's, it's easy to, to vibe on the rhythmic and, and, and the spatial quality of the song. Just a great piece of music. You know, when when that song, when I first heard it, it's kind of it's got a bit of a pop vibe to it. It's, it's out of our genre, really. But it, it's something you can hear and you're like, I want to put my stamp on that. So I'm, I'm glad you like it.
2: We got lots to talk to, but we always start the same way every time we have a new guest. And that is the essence of the podcast, which is the hook. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you?
1: Oh, it's easy. I always tell everybody, Van Van Halen is my my first answer. Van Halen, well, it would be Kiss, so it's two. It's a a big sword. It's a double-edged sword. It's Kiss and Van Halen. You know, Kiss was the first visual that you're like, oh, my God, that's an amazing thing. I want to do that, you know, and Van Halen is the one that you're like, holy shit, I really want to do that.
2: I was just having a conversation with somebody about Van Halen and about their their vibe and their influence on rock and roll. They came along during a time where a lot of things were becoming very cookie cutter. And there was a lot of singer songwriters. Rock and roll really wasn't edgy anymore. Black Sabbath was trying to find a replacement for Ozzy. Ozzy kind of had, you know, fallen off and really wasn't interested in being in a band anymore. Obviously Zeppelin with John Bonham passing, and Van Halen comes along in 1978 and brings this charge, the fun, back in rock and roll. And I almost feel now with what's going on with COVID in terms of everybody being cooped up inside, doing the same stuff, people being frustrated, because for the most part, life is on pause for a lot of people, or life has kind of slowed down where we're kind of not used to Doing things how we've been doing it And it's becoming a normal And I think through that Rock and roll has A chance at a resurgence Where it, it brings the fun back And if it brings the larger than life Atmosphere The vibe back to music I think we're going to see Great things for rock music Over the next few years
1: uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more You know the whole aspect of like the communal thing that it does for people, you know, uh, the rock and roll is that thing that, that really as corny as it sounds, it really brings people together with the, with a singular mindset, you know, back when, when the, the landscape was kind of like getting, you know, getting boring, Van Halen came along and just blew up the whole thing, you know, and whenever things get boring or, or, you know, get cliche, something always comes along to make, to wake people up. Just like even like, you know, it cycles so many times you think of like the, uh, you know, the, the the glam metal days, you know, things got so wishy-washy and uh, phony and just like, you know, it was all about style. It wasn't about substance. Then substance came along and blew everything up. You know what I mean? A great sound does that. Yeah. You I know. think when you, bring, when you bring real energy to the table, it's undeniable. So bands like Van Halen did that. And just when things, when things get bland, something has to come along to just, you know, wipe that off the map.
2: Right, you know, and when you think about music today, you know you think about the genres that are ruling over everybody pop music, hip hop that is in it in itself becoming well, pop music's always been stale, at least for the last twenty years it has, and you know hip hop is becoming a product of its of its own entity, it's becoming recycled, just like you mentioned the hair metal era, the glam metal era of the eighties and Rock and roll is kind of right underneath the surface right now, right? I mean, it's it's developing a lot of young bands. A lot of young bands are creating a a great following and a lot of loyalty with their fans, especially with younger fans, too. And I think angst and anger always causes rock music to thrive. And I think with the pandemic, I think it's a recipe for success for rock music.
1: Uh, I hope so, man, because <laughs> I'm feeling you on that. You know, it's this undercurrent rock and roll is, is went underground again. The norm is pop. The norm is, is, is hip hop. That's the norm. It's commercial. It's fashion that rock and roll is back to being this underground thing. You know, it, it's, just, it's, this really, it's not, the, it's not the world's greatest kept secret, but it's just a, a few people really get it and that, that it, it's going to get hotter and hotter and it's, it's just going to explode all over again. The, the, the fan, the fan base of rock and roll now is all over the place. Rock and roll has become so genre But the main essence of it, when it's just done right and it's, it's got this great live energy, no matter where you go, it's an undeniable thing. That's kind of the surface. I think that's, that's what's going to happen. So I totally agree with you on that.
2: You talked about Kiss and Van Halen being your first influences in rock and roll. They hooked you on rock and roll. When did it become that you wanted to perform rock music? You know, what that
1: happens, I think, when you're a, a kid, you, if you, whether you're the class clown or, you know, you you're, you pick up the air guitar, it's your, it's your tennis racket is hitting the pots and pans, you know, you get the idea. But I think when I was a kid, I, watching like Elvis and stuff like that on the TV, my mom would love it. She loved Elvis. And I'm like, there's something out there that's really cool. It just sort of infects you. You know, I was always a class clown. I always wanted to be a dancing monkey. I don't I don't know what brings that on. Maybe it's just, it's you, you're just born with that, you know, that kind of silliness. I, I never tried to analyze where it came from. I just know that it just took over. You know, music was always a huge part of my life, and it distract. It wasn't my, it was a, distra- a distraction. It just always it was my everything. You know, when when music filled the air, that's all I could think about. I could be in conversation with someone, but there was a great there was great music on. That's what you turn to. You know, in high school, I would try to concentrate on my lessons, but you know, all I, all I could think about was drawing the Black Sabbath upside down cross and. And it was just always on my brain performing or being part of this thing that just drove me, you know?
2: You know, it's interesting you say that. I still remember being in grade school and there was this rock radio station in Chicago called WVVX. It was called RPM, Real Precious Metal. And it it was a Spanish station during the day, but at seven o'clock at night, it switched over to hard rock and heavy metal and it Mm -hmm. went to one o'clock in the morning. And I would take my Sony boombox and put it on the other side of the bed, where the where it was against the wall. And I would run my headphones over on that side. And my you know my mother would come in, put me to bed, and everything. I was like in fifth, sixth grade, and I would listen till one o'clock in the morning. And then I would get up, go to Catholic school, be half asleep, right, <laughs> like <laughs> not even know what's going on for like for like the first two hours because I'm like my ears were ringing. And I'm yeah. like, i been listening to rock and roll night, but that was, you know, that's the love that rock music fans have. Like, we we get so involved in it that we want right. we want it all the time. We can't get enough of it.
1: Yeah, it's always been the center of conversation for me. You know, I would we always we always debate bands when I was a kid. You know, even even now you debate music. You know, you you talk about music. It was just rock and roll is that kind of thing. You know, it, it's almost religion. You know, rock and roll is almost religion, It really, in, in a sense, because it just, it's all encompassing. You know, people love to—we we all worship at the altar of rock and roll one way or another.
2: You talk about the evolution of the artist, and, you know, you being an artist, and you talk about the influences and wanting to be on stage and always being around music. When you decided to perform being a band, what was it like to create your own, your own music, your own art?
1: Oh, wow. um, I think from, from the beginning, it, some, some guys I know have a hard time sort of finding their own voice. And it just seemed like such a natural thing to just want to express myself my own way. You know, and being that being that I was a singer, I always found like-minded bands. You know, I just hope I happen to hook up with bands all the time growing up, or friends that wanted to be in bands that just were always writing. I was never really in like a band that did cover songs per se, you know what I mean? It was always, I just hooked in with people that we just wrote our own stuff. You, you emulate things, you know, you emulate all the, all the stuff you grew up with, whether it's, you know, uh, Black Sabbath, Bowie, and all that, you know? And, uh, in my case, it's a lot of funk too. I grew up with a lot of funk in my neighborhood. There's a lot of, a lot of soul music, you know, was Parliament and Slave and, uh, Stevie Wonder. Like it just, it's, it's endless you know, third world, Michael Jackson. But at some point I just found that I was really unhappy doing, you know, uh, doing other somebody else's music. I, I just had so much in me that I just had to, had to turn it loose. You know, I can't explain it.
2: Was there a style of writing that influenced you? You mentioned soul, you mentioned, you know, obviously rock music, but was there any artist in particular that you really wanted to model yourself after? Oh, when
1: I was a kid you, you, you're gonna crack up but it was more that was more about like you know having Stevie Wonder's kind of percussive pocket you know then came like Dan McCafferty from Nazareth or Steve Marriott from Humble Pie I wanted to mix like that bluesy rock and roll thing with funk you know what I mean so I, I tried to emulate Steve Marriott when I was a little kid you know ACDC you know uh, that uh, when you when you you discover you have like a I used to have like this rasp this raspy nasally falsetto thing and I used to get away with doing things like Rush and and, and ACDC, you know, so I, so I really started off with that kind of vibe. But I just really just tried to do my own thing. I just, at some point I was like, you know what, I can't sound like anybody. If, I'm not, if I can't sound like Bon Scott, if I can't sound like, like this or that, I'm just going to try to do my own thing. And someone tells you, you know, after, like a, after a few times, someone says, hey man, that's pretty cool, let's, let's, keep, do, let's you know, keep doing that. And next thing you know, you're just doing your own thing as best you can.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned funk, too, because growing up in Chicago, you know, obviously growing up, I was a huge fan of rock music, hard rock, heavy metal. But I always had this side of me where the blues was always pulling me in the other direction. You know, Chicago blues is always present, especially back then, you know, back in the early 80s, you know, late 70s, where, you know, my uncles and my cousins, my neighbors always were listening to blues. And Maxwell Street in Chicago where they sold the blues tapes and you'd go down there and have some soul food. And there was always a presence. And I always had that appreciation for it. Even when I was listening to Motley Crue, even when I was listening to Van Halen, I could always go listen to, you know, muddy waters or magic Sam or those guys that were from Chicago. So it always was a good balance to have.
1: Yeah, man, you you gotta have a little bit of everything to make, you know, to make your gumbo, you know, I, I living in the city, you know, I lived in New York for so long. You know, New York, New York's such a part of my DNA. There's, there's something cool around every corner. You know, you, there's the blue, the blue note, always had a cool blues club in it. There was funk, funk over at, uh, Nels. You know, you had all the hard rock and the, the cat club and places like that. But always, always blues is a big part of it. Blues, funk. But there's a way to, to, to make that, to take it into really, into heavier styles of music. I like, so that's really, I think that the blues and the funk, Makes things percussive, and I really like percussive stuff. Even even like when, when the early '90s, you know, um, Faith No More. That's a, you know, Mike Van Patten, really percussive into soul, into funk. I, I think that's a singer that really inspired me a lot too.
2: Yeah, great voice, great singer.
1: You know, just that kind of that kind of vibe. People that like just put themselves out. there, are not afraid. They're not cliche. They're not just doing the screamy look at look at me thing. You know, it's like guys that are kind of like just do something really cool and. They do something no one else is doing at the time. You know how it happens? That's all about timing, I guess.
2: So what's the origins of Weapons of Anew? Uh, the, 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 us as a band or the band name?
1: The band. The band itself. <laughs> um, I, was, I was hooked up through conversation. Me, me and Freddie got on the phone. Freddie, Ardine, and I, we, we were like giving each other's numbers, and I called him. We had about a three-hour conversation. I found that we had a lot of things in common. Now, mind you, you know, Freddie is a great—he's he's a great metal background, and uh, but he also loves soul music and, and blues and funk. And it's you know, what, and that wasn't we we hit on all that all that kind of conversation, you know. And we talked about our families and all that. But we really hit it off on what kind of music we actually liked. You know, he was in a lot of thrash bands, and I've always been in hard rock bands, and always you know moving towards getting as heavy as I possibly could. And and, you, and trying to experiment with that. And I think he always wanted to experiment with more melody. But we seem, we seem to have that common ground. And the next thing you know, I went to the band house, which is, uh, I was living in Brooklyn. And the band house is in uh, West Milford, New Jersey. I went there to visit the guys. And I think they had sent me uh, a rhythm track of, of what, I don't know what the hell it was. It turned into a song called, that we have called Kill Shot. But we hung out and we just chilled all day and we got into a room and jammed. And from that moment, we just, had this really cool sort of musical connection and it went from there. We became a band that day. I think the day, not just on the phone, but the day we got into the room, it wasn't like, well, let's, let's come back a week from now and think about it. The energy was, let's be, let's do this right now. This feels good. So let's just keep doing this. So, you know, the rest was just taking trips to to West Milford, New Jersey and, and stay in Freddie's house out there. and, And just sort of bonding and creating this thing that we call weapons of the new. So that's the origins, you know, it's, it's two crazy chuckleheads, you know, um, infecting other crazy
2: chuckleheads.
1: (laughs) 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 And then it's like just endless, endless amounts of ball busting ensues. So it's, you know, you just create this sense of, uh, this safe space to be at, to be, you know, to be assholes. (laughs) Hey man, I can't stop now that I, I can't stop now that I started.
2: No man, keep going. No, keep going. I mean, you know, hey, you know it's, it's always more comfortable to be an asshole amongst assholes, right? Well, so. you know, you,
1: you meet you meet people, and then you start to do like the band thing, and then you go on the road a bit, and you really learn a lot about each other. So sure. there's times where you all you know we're at each other's throats, and there's times where we're all like giving each other bro hugs, you know. And it's just it, it's funny how you meet somebody quickly, and it just the relationship grows like intense quickly. Just like when you meet a girl. You know what I mean?
2: Is it important to find well, obviously it's important to find people with the same vision, but is it important to find people who understand the path to get to that vision, to make that vision a reality?
1: Yeah, because it's it's not this this shit isn't for the weak. You know, you gotta find people that can really have a lot of great intestinal fortitude and can really push through all the madness of just like the insecurities, the egos, you know, it, it gets insane. You need really strong-minded people, but you all have to be like-minded. You can have all different backgrounds, like all different kinds of music, but you have to have the same intention. And that's, that's super important. Yeah. I, always, I always admired these bands that were like came out of high school together. The one thing I've never had is like, you know, that band, oh, we were in high school together, and we grew up, and here we still are, and 30 years later with this band, you know, I always thought that was awesome, guys that can be together that long you know, it has something really, really awesome. I think of a band like De- uh, a band like Deftones, they've been together forever, you know, you two, bands like that, you know, but to try to create that kind of vibe with people you meet in like in you know, past five years, it's 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 really intense. You look for this you look for the sense of family and brotherhood and you gotta make it happen. You gotta all want the same thing. You gotta want to all earn the merit badges together. You gotta you know want you want to get to the to the to the prize together.
2: That is important. You know, it's also important to have musicians and have artists with you that are evolving with you. You know, you mentioned starting a band with with people that you're in high school with. In some circumstances, not all, I imagine people start to evolve in different directions as they get older, you know, whereas now, you know, you're creating something where you've experienced other bands, you've experienced different things with music, and you're, you're looking and you're seeking something different than maybe you were... Years ago, where now you're, and then you hook up with people that maybe are in the same place you are now. Took a different path to get there, but understand the language.
1: That's exactly what a different path to get to where we are right now. You know, it's it's you got everybody has their journey to get to where we are uh, to to get to where we are now. That's why we all sort of understand that you know, and uh, it's just a matter of who's going to hang in there. You know, it's like let's let's just hang on and and nobody
2: let go of this this ride till it till
1: it finishes. You know.
2: What's the collaborative process like for you guys?
1: Well, in the past, it's always been, you know, now that we have, we have two new band members now in, in Chatteliga and Kevin Hicklin. So in the past, up until that, it's always just been Freddie and I writing from different angles. You know, Freddie will bring roofs and arrangements to the table and I'll bring lyrics and melodies and then I help out with the arrangements at the, you know, at the table. So the process has just been, we would get into a room, sometimes we bang it out, bang out a few ideas and that's what makes the record. But this time we've written in the we wrote in the studio a lot and that created a whole new kind of monster and and a whole new process. So the process is really no process. You know what I mean? It's not to, not to like just throw all the blueprints out the window and just whatever feels good is what we try.
2: Well, it keeps things fresh too, right?
1: Yeah. If not, if not, then it's, it's stale. You have to have everybody's perspective too. You know, you do need some sort of like you do need someone to come to the table and go, this is the idea. This is what, this is what we kind of, this is the, the you know, the seed of it. And then you've got to all kind of like make that go in the same direction. You can't just pull it apart different. You can't just make, you know, part A, B, C, D. You got, it's got to, it's got to line up correctly. So, and to do that, you need, you need, you need a good producer too. You need, you need a person like Mike Freddie to come and rein us in and be like, you know, like, guys, that's, that's fucking crazy. You know, like, what are you guys doing? Try, try this. I think, I think you're trying to do this.
2: I think that's one of the biggest problems in music now. It's great that anyone can record music and put it out and get it in front of people. That's awesome, right? Because years ago, it did, that did not exist. However, right. there are bands, and you can tell when someone doesn't have someone in the room to tell them, that sounds like shit. That No, <laughs> you can't do that. And it's true. You always need that person in there to tell you, no, man, that doesn't sound good you can't be surrounded by yes people. I think that's one of the biggest right. problems.
1: Well, And just because you have a laptop and some software doesn't make you a recording God. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody with a laptop and some software and a, and, a, and a decent microphone is playing Rockstar, is recording something. They put it on a sound cloud. Hey, man, check out my sound card. It's dropping tomorrow. And everybody's playing Rockstar. You know, the trick is, how do you do it well? You know? You, you, you how do you get that great sound you really got to work you know you got to have the right people around you. you it takes time it takes commitment you know you really got to have you got to know what you want you can't just be when, you know, we're not going to settle for like you know recording in our garage you know it's got to sound great so yeah, yeah. sometimes it's sometimes it's a difficult process but you got to do what you can but yeah man anybody with a with a laptop you know can 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 record something and just put it out but to do something right as a band and and have, and be open to other ideas is really important to the writing process. You know that's what makes it cool. So you're right about that. So I can I think I can think something is a fucking bee's knees. You know what I mean? But that's just me in my head because I've heard it a million times in the shower or something. Someone might come along to me, that's really corny. You know you got to try this, and I have to be open enough to be like, I'll try it. I'm not going to be a dickhead and say I'm not going to try that. You have to at least try everything at least once.
2: And you need people outside of your mother and your girlfriend to tell you what they think of it. Right? Yeah, man. <laughs> you know? My
1: mom thinks I'm awesome. My girlfriend loves our music. You know, right. She thinks we're the best. Okay, okay. That's, that's great. You know, my kid thinks I'm awesome. <laughs> it, it, all, you know, the kids, the people that are listening to the music for the first time, that really you know, they didn't know who you were, that's where it counts. That's, that's a litmus test. You know, if you, if you, you know, you can play for your music, for your friends and the people around you and your family and you can have your parties of like 20, 50, 50 people. But what happens when it gets real, when you go the way to test your metal is to go outside of that and go to the kids on the corner and say, man, check out these tunes and let me know what you think.
2: Yeah. You need honesty. You You need, you need a good sounding board and, you know, surrounding yourself with people telling you how great you are does not do you any favors. You know, it'll make you feel good. It definitely will make you feel good, but it's not going to help you. And, you know, it's okay to to have someone tell you no. It's okay to someone tell you, hey, that needs to be better. That's not – they're not being mean to you. They're not being personalized. So many new bands make that mistake, and I hear it all the time. And I know there's a good song in there somewhere, but (laughs) they got to have someone other than their pals – Telling them they got to put it in someone who Has no you know emotional Stake in their music to tell Them and I think that's what I don't want to use the word waters down Music because I still think Music is great rock music is great but It gives the perception of things being Watered down
1: right Right you know when something is raw I think you should find a way to keep it as, Keep that raw energy as much As possible but you want to make it sound Fucking awesome without you know too much Production too much mix can make it sound like shit. How many times have you heard something and, and the raw mix of the rough mix is awesome. And then it gets given to uh, you know, a producer or this engineer, and then it, it just gets, it just gets sanded down to it's nothing. You know, so it's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky business trying to make it work. I'm trying to find that next cool piece of music. That's like, you know, it's really, and en- it's got high energy. It's raw, but it, it also sounds great. Sonically like fucking amazing. So I agree with you
2: when you're writing music, do you write about personal experiences or observations?
1: Um, both. I mean, I'm, I don't claim to be any, anything I'm not, I'm not, you know, I've only, I only know my perspective on things. I, I just have always happened to be in bands where like, it's like I've written something and everybody thinks it's cool enough to use, you know? So whether it's all my life experiences, you know, from like uh, addiction to, you know, to everything, addiction relationships, you know, my, my view on, on the world and, and politics, whatever it is, you know, I just try to say things as, uh, as cool as I think I can make them. Sometimes Mike says I'm artsy sometimes, but I, I just don't write about rock and rolling all night and booze anymore. You know, I, I write about my human experience. You know, I think, I think you write about the human experience and hopefully people connect with it and that's what matters. I'm not trying to preach to people. I will never preach. But I have my own experiences, and I think that people can relate. So I try to make it as as accessible as possible, you know?
2: When you're writing music about an experience, obviously there's some vulnerability there, right? You have to reconnect with whatever that experience, the emotion of that experience was, whether there's anger and there's sadness, mourning, Mm -hmm. loss, happiness, whatever. Is it tough for you to reconnect with that?
1: Oh, big time because you have to, you have to really get visceral and cut deep and and then let it go. You know, I, I lost my mother, you know, about six years ago. That's like the toughest thing, you know, a guy can go through, you know, The, the person that made you a man, you know, or, and, uh, I tried to write about it, you know, looking with weapons. I have a really big, you know, I get a big palette as far as what to write about it. Nobody really fucks with me as far as what I can write about. But, uh, I think also being with, with Mike Ferretti and, uh, and he was, telling me, you know, let's write about, in a, you know, let's take this concept of, your, of this experience. What, did, You know, why are you writing about that, Ray? What does it mean to you? You know, re, let's really break it down. And I really had to address a lot of things, you know. We have a song called Art of War, where it's about, uh, you know, it's about, it's about personal sacrifice. You know, and on the first weapons record there's a song called This Moment, which is about really great loss. I deal with depression a lot. You know, I try to battle through that. I think a lot of people deal with depression, especially in these times, you know, so I have to just write about it and let it go. Almost like if I was keeping a journal.
2: That's you know? a, that's a great so way it, to put it. it. it yeah. That's a, I never thought of so, it being like a journal, personal journal for you.
1: Well that's what it is. You know, it's for me, rock and roll is autobiographical. So it it it's taken me a long time to just be able to do that and let it go. And uh once once I once I do it, it's it's liberating. You know, I just let people in. I'm not so guarded anymore. I used to really be super private and I didn't want to let you know shit about me. You know, me and you would have had a hard time talking years ago. You know, I would have been, I would have been, you know, drunk off my ass and stoned on whatever. Cause I couldn't be honest with you, you know? And now I, I have to be now I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm, am I'm sober, you know, in the right way. It feels good. I'm empowered by it. Um, I still like my glass of red wine and you know, this and that, but I mean, you have to be honest with yourself. And if, if people, I think, know that you're honest and sincere, they'll take to that. And that sort of brings you more more people. You know what I'm saying? If I'm positive and cool with you, then hopefully you'd be positive and cool with me in return.
2: When you're writing, you're tapping into that experience and you're able to write something and journal that that experience. The the, the, right. the song is made. The song comes out. Is it important for you that it connects with people, or does it matter more that you got it out of your system?
1: Uh, it's both, but I want people to make their own connection with it. I, the, the great thing about lyrics is, since I'm not Bruce Springsteen, I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not a poet, you know. Uh, like Dylan, I I think the lyrics are accessible enough where people can take the lyrics and make it their own experience and read whatever they want into it. That's not me being cliche or corny about it. I think it feels good to let it go. So I think they both matter. You know, they both matter.
2: I also can imagine too. Whenever you are writing about something and putting it down on paper and and having it come from your mind through your voice. I also think that it's probably therapeutic for you, right? I mean, it's also learning more about that experience. Looking back on something, it's always easier to learn once you've been away from something for a while and you're, yeah. you're reconnecting with it and you maybe understand your own behavior, others' behavior involved in that situation.
1: Oh, yeah. But you said, that you said it's therapeutic. It's all a psychotic release, my friend. It's very therapeutic. Rock and roll is therapy. You know, those of us who get in there and get to bang it out and make some of it, you know, try to make it be a, a, as cool and as and a, a connecting connecting experience as possible. So it's very therapeutic.
2: You mentioned that communal experience with rock and roll, you know, and the fans and how they feed off that and how they feed off the songs. And those songs, once you connect with a song, it stays with you forever. It does become part of your of your flesh, of your soul. You know, I often bring this up so many times where, you know, David Lee Roth once said, when you hear a great song, listen to it over and over again because that song will be etched into your life and etched into the memory that was present back when that song was being played so it acts like a time machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's very true. It takes you back in time. I just was talking to someone about this today. Yeah, you know, someone said, you know, that song reminds me of a time, or it takes me back. Music is such a—it's a—it creates nostalgia. It's a feeling. You know, we deal in, in emotions and feelings, and uh, if if we can if we can create that, I have people that tell me, you know, yo man, I was I was out driving the other day and I played your song, and you know, it just really got really really got to me. Almost almost crashed in my car. You know what I mean? Um, music does that. Today I was talking to someone about the song "Love Hurts" by Nazareth. Yeah. And that song has such a deep emotional thing. I don't know why it affects me the way it does, but I think it reminds me when I was a kid, you know, dealing with adolescent feelings and, you know, feelings of insecurity and and longing for the girl in high school that you couldn't have or whatever. You know, it really, it's the kind of song that makes you, you know, I I used to drink a bottle of Maker's Mark and cry for no reason because I heard that song. It really, music can really do that. It can transport you to a good place or a bad place. But either way, it transports you. And it takes you out of wherever you're at. And that particular song, whatever the song is, you know, whether it's Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, making you feel great on, on a drive, you know, to, like, Love Hurts, making you really, really want to go to a corner and just hug yourself
2: <laughs> and cry. And it's not just the lyrics sometimes, too. It's also the delivery. It's also the phrasing, the emotion. You mentioned, you know, Nazareth. You mentioned Steve Marriott in humble pie you know just over i mean just the the motion when they sing right and the 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 delivery of the lyrics makes the song completely different it makes it makes you know now when you hear music there's so much overproduction there's so much like that it doesn't it it doesn't even sound real there's it sounds plastic it doesn't sound like i'm feeling you know like you know the ability to connect with the lyric, or the, the the ability to connect with a song, embodies everything about it. The way the, the the guitar is played, you know, the mood of the song, the vibe, the lyrics, the emotion, and I think that's really lacking in a lot of music because it's just how you know. Let's make it sound what they think is perfect, but perfection right. also comes in the raw emotion of it too. That's what makes it perfect.
1: Yeah, you lose the edges. You know, you lose the cool edges when, when, when something is too smooth, it, it loses all it's, it's loses its real appeal. You know, um, just, just the, just, you, you, you said it, it's about intention. If I'm, if I'm really intense when I, when I, I want to deliver something, I want that to come across, you know, whether it's something driving me that I can't control, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be come off as restrained, you know, and that can really be, it, it can be a restraining thing. How many bands do you know, you know, had a great raw sound, and the next thing you know, it got watered down by whatever. It's the same thing you said before, but intention is everything. Steve Marriott, great intensity. You know, Stephen Tyler has a great intensity on that Rocks record. The song, Nobody's Fault, that's one of the most wicked things ever sung in history. Um, but uh, it, intensity, it, it, it means everything to me. H- intention of a delivery of lyric. Because if someone's just phoning it in, you can tell that. That goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. Being real, man. Be in, be be intense and but but mean it don't be intense because you think you have to be intense it's what drives you man whatever drove you to deliver that stuff in the studio, whatever vibe you can create a lot of people can't create that vibe when they're on the mic in the studio and it becomes this really weird insecure moment. but if you could be vulnerable and, and be cool with it and just let it all hang out, you can get that intention and intensity across. I really believe that
2: it also matters to the fans you know, rock fans you know, maybe country fans are, are similar, but we want the authenticity. We want the realness. We don't want overproduction. We don't want the bullshit. we want we want the real. And right. you know we can sniff that out. You know, that's why you know when these pop stars start making rock records, right? And you know people always go, well, it's gonna bring fans into rock music. I, I don't want those fans. I don't want those right. fans. I don't want music consumers. I want music, I want rock fans that will shed a tear when they hear "Love Hurts" or when they hear a song that means something to them. You know, um, right. when they know the whole catalog of their of their favorite band and they know what song you know in in the sequencing is on the album. That's that's rock and roll. You know, and it's it's a it's a it's a, an exclusive club, but it's not. Everyone's welcome but it's got to be real and it's got to be authentic.
1: That's the beauty of what we do and what you and I do. It's just it's about creating this really great safe space to lose our fucking minds, you know, to be real and and not and, and not, you know, not get hurt. You know what I mean? To create this great live communal rock and roll thing. And I can't wait to get back to the live show, you know, the live rock show.
2: What are you Cuz it's, yeah. it's so important. What are your thoughts on the future here? I know, obviously, 2020 well, was put on pause and for for a right. lot of bands, and, and we continue that into 2021. There's still a lot of unknown. How have you guys dealt with that?
1: Well, we've dealt with it by being productive. You know, finishing the record was a big deal. You know, we, we got together and rehearsed. We shot some videos. Um, you know, we, we could even did a little we recorded ourselves live even though I can't stand the live stream thing you know the idea of playing to a false audience is not the real thing which is what you and I were talking about so we've just been trying to stay busy without being silly you know creating content for the videos uh just rehearsing whenever when you know when and where we can so are we chop you know are we are we, are we chopping it the bit to get back out and, and play of course everybody is you know Everybody wants to like show their wares and, and get that guy. It's gonna be a real stampede for rock shows. You know, we just hope that everybody can do it safely. You know, I, I, I wanna play out as much as the next person, but I don't want to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's you know, the- so yeah. how much how much you will how much is everybody willing to sacrifice and you know, do we all get vaccinated first? Well, I don't know what they're gonna do, but you know, we're, we're 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 a bit on the crazy side in this band. We wanna play and we'll probably one of getting some shows one way or another under our belt on Um, but as far as tours and, you know, we're all waiting for the, the gates to open. I I've said that again and time again and again, but I, we, I, we live to do this thing live. I think that's why everybody gets into this. The people that don't are fooling themselves. Everybody wants to play rock and roll live. You know, from the guy, from the guy at the corner, you know, at the corner beach club, you know, to the guy playing the 2000 seaters, 5,000 seaters, 10,000 seaters we all want to play. We all want to be with people that appreciate it. And, and I'm sure you can, you can understand this. We make this, this music, which is kind of like this language that we make. I think the audience that appreciates it learns a language. And then you go into this room and you have the conversation back and forth and it's it's your own special place. That's live rock and roll.
2: How hard was it for you to be creative during this time? Um, I don't think it was hard to be creative
1: because I think downtime is when you, you know, when, when you're really, you back's against the wall and you're really, you're really just, you're bummed out. You're sad. You're mad. You can't do this and that, you know, those things create something in you, that you, you. If you, if you're smart, you write about it. I try to do this exercise. where I write every day, at least for a little while I journal somewhat. And if I don't do that, I, I wouldn't be able to be creative, but. I think time does it if you, if you can manage to be creative with whatever whatever situation you're in. You know, everybody has found something new to do and you see it on TikTok and and Instagram somebody everybody's being creative doing something. For us it was just using the time to to make music, to find a way to put it together, to get it mixed, you know, to make videos. Just always moving forward. If you want to do something, you're going to find a way to make it happen. That's about being creative.
2: You know, moving forward is was so essential to staying sane, keeping your sanity during these times. You know, trying to keep, you know, the logs in the fire, keep being creative. It it you know, I know some people who can just turn on a faucet and they have all this creativity. I know some people find it difficult because they're doing the same things every day, they're not living their life how they normally live it and it's hard to tap into that well of creativity when they're not experiencing life. It's really, yeah it's, some of us, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see how it affects people differently.
1: Yeah. Because for some people, you know, they, they, they're more creative when they're outside, you know what I mean? Whether they're in the mountains or, you know, hiking, running, whatever it is they're doing, you know, and that gets cut, that, that, that was taken away from a lot of people, you know, um, just being an, in going to a cool place. I like to go to the beach and right now I'm in Fort Lauderdale. So I love to go to the beach and, uh, lucky for me, you know, Fort Lauderdale didn't realize COVID happened. <laughs> people just, they're out and about. So
2: I think the whole state of Florida didn't realize it happened. Yeah. It was just
1: like nothing changed here at all. You know, everybody's just doing their thing. The beaches are packed, but everybody, you just, you just, if you really want to make something happen, you'll find a way to do it. You know, if you're going to just lay down and die, that's going to happen too. You got to, you got to fight the demons, you know, but that's demons, man. It's demons talking that would just allow people to take this time to just dive into a bottle you know, the guys that have been sober for a long time. You know, this this was a good excuse to go and get fucked up.
2: Yeah, I just had a conversation with Dean Castronova and he was very candid about his past addiction problems and how you know some days are bad, mm. some days are, you know, are harder than other days. And I imagine during a pandemic when, you know, your mind is just kind of stagnant. It's not doing anything. It's it's yeah. it's easy for your mind to wander and go into those dark places again.
1: Yeah, just to go hide and, and escape. You know, we—it's we, a battle we fight every day. I fight it every day. You know, once an addict, always an addict. It's, it's not something I'm proud of. I don't wear like some sort of badge of honor, but you know, I was in it for a lot of years. And uh you wake up every day, and you, you're still that addict. You just got to find a way to get through the day. I don't pre- preach the blue book or any of that stuff. I just, I, you know, I have my own way of getting out of it. But you know, I raised a kid, and I try to keep my family afloat, and I, co- I work on that. I concentrate on that. So I'm a better person now, though, for obviously being sober, but it's, it's a battle every day. It's no joke, man. I know people that have lost themselves to it, and, um, you know, we live in a time, too, where it's, it's a huge crisis in this country, and you never think it's happening sometimes. But, you know, I've traveled to places, and people are having a hard time.
2: What is 2021 going to be for Weapons of Anew?
1: I think it'll be a new sort of like, it'll be an an awakening. You know, we're definitely going to like move forward. And I think we've been through a lot. Like everybody else, we've been locked down. And we're we're trying to be wise. So I think for us, we'll be making moves that are smart. You know, and we're going to, make moves that really will just make us the best, sincere, honest group of musicians I can think of, you know, that will just, we look to connect. So moving forward, I just want to connect with people. I want to get out there and and kiss babies, shake palms, you know, and make the world a better place.
2: (laughs) What about music? What's the plans for this year for you guys?
1: Uh, We're going to play out as much as we can. We're going to keep writing. For us, we have to keep writing. So I imagine there's a lot more songs to be written. I think we really only just scratched the surface of what we can do. And now that we have Chad and Kevin in the band, I hope we get to write, you know, on another level, because I think we're just going, we're going to be firing on all cylinders, just cylinders going forward and just being able to create more and more. I, we haven't reached our potential yet. So hopefully we get to do that.
2: What excites you about that in particular, you know, about, about, coming together now that you've oh, got new members and in, in you're in your developing that.
1: Because I know things can always be better. I'm always looking for it, you know. I, I'm not perfect, but I seek it, you know. Just those perfect moments in the studio when something just sounds right and everybody's just dialed in and you're like having that great moment with everybody and you know it's good. You know, I want to experiment with new things. You know, I want to get heavier. I want to get funkier. I want to try more things with the vocals, you know, and there's always room to grow. You know, I think weapons can evolve just like anybody else. We have we have more to write. Um, I just believe in that. I think you have to always have that as your mindset. You have to always want to be better. I, you know, why, why just sit and rest on your laurels? You know, why just do the same shit over and over again? It's boring.
2: How do you evolve? Like, like what do you have to do for yourself as an artist and, and for the band? You know, what do you have to do to keep kind of stretching yourself as an artist and not fall into that same box?
1: Always learning. Always listening. You have to be open to everything. You know, my my kid listens to music I would have never thought of hearing. You know, he's got these really cool playlists that he turns me on to. I listen to them openly. I'm like, let me hear what you got. You know? I, I, I work with a lot of, like, musicians and, and especially the School of Rock kids. You know, they turn me on to a lot of cool things. And But as far as You know, my my experiences, I'm open to to new relationships with people and conversation. I keep myself open, you know, so I can make new friends all the time or have this conversation about this, whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, you you have to be open and willing to learn and try new things. That's what it's all about.
2: When you're open into listening to new things, do you ever go into a journey of things that maybe 10 years ago you never would have listened to?
1: Oh yeah, man. You know, like <laughs> there's some jazz. You know, there's a lot of jazz vocals. And lately, I listen more classical music. Like I turned on some cool classical. But um, everything, everything is to me is I I I appreciate so many different kinds of music. You know, whether it's like freaking African jazz. You know, uh me and the kid we're always looking for old. You know, searching playlists the drummer with Chad, Chad and I chant music 24 seven. He's always listening to something that's cool. You know? So I think you have to explore. I I know, I know I don't like certain things, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say what they are, but I, I I try not to be, I try not to be a musical bigot. I try to be open to just about everything. Anything that will come in to help me, that will influence, you know, influence me more to help me create is what I listen to. And I know it when I hear it. Does that make sense to you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have the same experience, too, with my son. You know, he uh, he's always texting me, check this out. You know, he'll send me a link. Yeah. And I yeah. love it. I love it because, I, you know, I, I'm not one of those classic rock fans that only sticks to what I know. I love hearing new stuff. Uh, I yeah, have, man, I why, why close yourself off? Yeah, I have to hear. I mean, I have to hear new music to keep to keep it fresh granted i i love led zeppelin and i love van halen i love all those bands and you know those are my favorite bands but i I would get bored if all i did was listen to the same music over and over again and you know i love you know the blues like we talked about i love stuff like parliament stevie wonder um you know the the sugar hill gang all that stuff you know singer songwriter stuff too like Butch Walker or Pete Yorn or Brendan Benson. I love all that stuff. Oh, man. Pete Yorn. Yeah, man.
1: Love that. Yeah. Love that. You so, know, I, I've been jamming to a lot of well, Carol King lately. But lately, honestly, I've been listening to a lot of Al okay. A lot to Al Jarrell. From like in the morning. You know, And I obsess on things. I don't just hear it like a little bit. I'll hear a song and I have to hear it 10 times over yet. Like I'll, I'll just play a song and let it go 10 times over until so I get sick of it. And if I don't get sick of it, I'll get back to it tomorrow.
2: I went down this rabbit hole probably like a month ago of, like, disco. And I was like... Oh, wow. Yeah, man. I spent like three hours listening to disco. And I'm like, dude, it's four in the morning. I'm listening to disco. It was fun, you know. But the harmonies and the the song style and the writing and all that stuff and the arrangements, you know, everyone likes to push aside. Disco as kind of being, eh, whatever. But it comes from funk. It comes from a lot of cool places. And, you know, the songs are top-notch.
1: Right. And it's about feeling good, man. That's all that matters. If the music makes you feel good, that's all that matters, man. Period. Doesn't matter whether it's disco or whatever, whether it's Casey and the Sunshine Band, whether it's Tina Marie, you know, Sylvester, the list goes on. It's got to just feel good. Rock and roll. It's got to just feel good. Jazz, soul, rhythm and blues. It's got to just feel good. That's all that matters.
2: Yeah. It's got to be authentic too, you know? It's got to come that from too, that man. new place.
1: Do you like, Lee, do you like uh, Lee Fields? I got turned on to Lee Fields. You ever heard of that? I'm not familiar with that. Oh, man. Look, listen to Lee Fields Dove." I think it's called. What a great song. I'll send you the link.
2: Okay. All right. Have you ever heard Lucero? Yes. I love those guys. I got turned on to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I, hey, man, look at that. We're good. We're good. We're all right. I've seen Lucero probably, God, it's got to be 15 times over the last decade. And the only, only, I think the only other act that I've seen just as much, though there's two, either Butch Walker or Super Suckers.
1: Oh, you probably get to see a lot of shows, too. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. You're set. You know what you're talking about. You have my respect, bro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ray, man. You're good at this. Yeah, well, I I appreciate that, man. Ray, it's been a blast. This conversation's been awesome. We could go on for hours, but um i do appreciate i i didn't, ex- I,
1: didn't ex- I didn't expect to get so deep man so this is this is awesome you're, you're cool with me
2: well this is how the show usually gets you know i like to have it be conversational i really like to ask questions that not a lot of people ask or go places not a lot of people go to you know it, it, it can get really quite boring hearing the same questions over and over again and and asking the same questions over and over again
1: wow uh, why? Well, i I appreciate it man Thanks for having me on I really appreciate it
2: Yeah man You're welcome back Anytime When you got some New music and stuff Let me know And uh, we'll do a show again
1: Deal yeah, I'll take you up On that brother
2: Alright everybody That's Ray West The, the band is Weapons of a new Check them out Weapons of dot com You can find them On all social media platforms The song Sick Boy Is just a killer track Go check that out too It's just an awesome Awesome tune I think everybody That listens will like it I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Peace, man. Take care.
0: From the east side of America, where we choose pride of a character, we can pick sides. This is us. This is us. This is. I live on the west side of America, where they spin lies into fairy dust. We can pick sides. This is us. This is us, this is And don't believe the narcissism When everyone projects and expects you to listen to them Make no mistake, I live in a prison That I built myself, it is my religion And they say that I am the sick boy Easy to say when you don't take the risk, boy Welcome to the narcissism We're united under our indifference And I'm from the east side of America We desensitize by hysteria we can pick sides, this is us, this is us, this is I live on the west side of America Where there's been lies into very dust We can pick sides, this is us, this is us, this is For jacks and expects you to listen to them. Make no mistake, I live in a prison that I built myself. It is my religion, and they say that I am the sick boy. He's-